0: Before we move into our study of God's inspired Word today, I want to continue with my week of thank yous at the beginning of this new year, 2024. And all of them are related to into the Word, the ministry that I am engaging in right this moment. So far I told you, I'm thankful for my wife, Deb, and I'm also thankful for my past teachers at, at church and college and on the radio. Uh, And then uh, yesterday I was talking about how I'm thankful for the North Liberty uh, Church of Christ, which provided me a new start after a really rough time in ministry, and we're also instrumental in getting into the Word started 21, uh, uh, excuse me, 23 years ago uh, now, and actually that is 21 years ago in 2003. And so today I want to talk about one particular family and uh, a man in that family who has uh, been very helpful in my ministry of Into the Word. Uh, When I uh, started teaching at North Liberty Christian School uh, back in 2000, uh, one of my students uh, was a young man whose last name was Ritter. And I got to know his mom and dad, Mike and Andrea, uh, at that time. And uh, this couple is now the owners of the Great Lakes Heating and Air Conditioning Company uh, in South Bend. And uh, Mike and Andrea have been really big supporters of the Into the Word radio program. And I want to say, thank you so much to them uh, for helping keep this thing going uh, for such a good long time. Uh, Mike also is, uh, besides being one of my Radio Bible students, he was also the guy that pushed me and pushed me to be a uh, travel buddy with him to go to Israel for the very first time in his life and my life uh, back in 2018. And I Thanks to him, I've been bit by the travel-to-Israel bug and have been back several times since and plan to go again as soon as things settle down uh, in the Holy Land. So if you have the opportunity uh, to um, say thank you to Mike for his role in End of the Word, you do that. Uh, If uh, you're in need of a new furnace, new air conditioning unit, Maybe something else that goes into that same sort of area. Uh, Maybe you need somebody that will maintain the unit you already have. Just do this for me. He he doesn't know that I'm doing this. He didn't ask me to do this. This is on my own because I'm actually one of the customers for them as well. Check out Great Lakes Heating and Air Conditioning and uh, see whether or not you might uh, make use of their services. And uh, if you get a chance, you can tell them that you were recommended by Thomas Short and um, maybe that'll get back to Mike uh, and he will uh, be blessed by uh, this thank you uh, for the role he plays in getting the word out. Speaking of which, let's turn our attention to the word of God. I want you to open your Bible today to 2 Peter chapter number one, and we are going to look at a letter that I believe was generated only a matter of months after 1 Peter. Now, you already know that I believe that Peter wrote his first letter in the latter portion of the year 63, I think that he had moved to the city of Rome by that time, uh, in part because uh, he knew that Paul had left that area, and so I think he may have been prompted by the Holy Spirit to make sure there was an apostolic presence in the city of Rome, the capital of the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, He had, I believe, been passing through Uh, the area of what we call Turkey today, and uh, when he was writing that first letter, he was writing back to some of the areas that he'd passed through, and some of which uh, Paul had spent a lot of ministry time at. Now, I believe this second letter is written in the early part of 64, where Peter has ministered in Rome for a while, and now he is continuing to think about the folks that he wrote to in his first letter. And he maybe has got information back to how things are going there, and uh, this prompts him to address some very important issues— and these issues are not just simply important for the people living in first-century Turkey; uh, they are important for us today, where we're at, uh, many centuries later. And I think we'll highlight that as we go through. Without any further ado, let's dive into the text itself. Second Peter chapter one verse one, Simeon Peter so you remember that his circumcised name was Simon or Simeon. Uh, Peter is his nickname that he was given by Jesus. Uh, Kephas uh, was the equivalent of that in the Aramaic language, and it means rock. So Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So he starts with the idea that he serves Jesus, which I think is really a good um, organizer of leadership thinking. Don't think of yourself as being in charge and domineering over other people. Think of yourself as serving Jesus. Uh, and he is an apostle. Uh, he is one of the named apostles of the Lamb. Uh, Apostles are a very uh, um, small group of individuals that were selected by Jesus uh, to get a job done. The Twelve Apostles of the Lamb, their job was to get the gospel to every living Jewish person in that first century period before the temple was destroyed. And there's every reason to believe they got that job done. Uh, Then we have James, the half-brother of Jesus, who was appointed by him as the apostle to the Jewish church at Jerusalem, and he did that job all the way up until he was uh, killed in about 61, I think. And then we have Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, and uh, he will play a role in Peter's letter before we get done to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, he writes to all his fellow Christians, all those who have received the same righteousness that is in Jesus' death and resurrection by faith. And then... He reduplicates the common Pauline um, opening to a letter. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So grace was the typical way that Greek writers opened up uh, their letters. Uh, Peace was more of a Jewish concept. But in the Christian faith, they both have connection to redemption. Grace is unmerited favor, peace is the restoration of relationship, and we know the knowledge that we have is that Jesus provided us grace and peace through his death and his resurrection. Verse 3, his, God, Jesus, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So we have everything we know or need to know in Scripture, thankfully, to live our life properly and to be godly, that is to be godlike. So his divine power, his Holy Spirit work has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So we've been called, through Jesus' death and resurrection, to be like him. To be holy as he is holy. And by doing this, we participate in what God really wanted for us from the very beginning. And that was to be in his presence, in his likeness. Verse 4, By which... He has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Now, the scripture highlights the promises of God from beginning right up through to the end. God wanted us to have eternity in his presence. And when sin came in and screwed things up, he made a promise that he would provide a way that we could return into that relationship. And so the the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, provides us this long-term record of his precious and great promises to get that job done. Uh, And Peter puts it in this fashion. He says, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature So the goal has always been that we would be like God. When he first made humanity, male and female, he made them in the image and the likeness of God. That had nothing to do with their physical form. It had everything to do with their core personality. We were made to be like God. And when that image was marred because of our personal choices of sin, Jesus had already been tapped to provide the way that we could have that righteousness restored, how we could become partakers in his righteousness. And that's how Peter goes on to say, we've escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, rotten desire. This world has led us all down what we've often referred to as the garden path, only in this case, it was the path out of the garden. God made the garden for us to spend time with him but thanks to Satan's manipulation and troublemaking interference, we were led out of the garden and into sin. And Jesus provided the way of escape out of that sin back into right relationship. And that brings into Peter's mind the need to seek and maintain that relationship. It was lost because of our sin. It was restored because of our choice to embrace Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And it is maintained by us sticking with him. So in verse number five, Peter says this, for this very reason, make every effort... To supplement, supplement your faith with virtue. Now, our faith is where we believe the gospel, where we believe that Jesus is the Son of the living God and that he died for sin, rose again for justification, and that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, all of that. So, our faith is where we start. And the next thing that we want to fold into this relationship is virtue. Now, that virtue uh, has to do with uh, the right stuff, Uh, being like God, uh, doing things his way. Uh, In uh, the non-biblical world, uh, this idea of virtue was what made people good, and right, uh, and excellent in their community. And so in this case, it is the virtue of God himself that we're trying to bring into our lives. So make every effort to supplement your initial faith with virtue, with God's way of doing things. And to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, now, knowledge is not just facts and figures. It is knowing how to make use of that information appropriately. It's the same idea about wisdom. Uh, wisdom is not just about information. It is how do we properly use that information. So we're building our, our Christian lifestyle here. We start with faith. We add God's virtue. We add God's knowledge. Uh, Verse 6, and to knowledge, self-control. And every time I hear that word self-control, I can't help myself. I have to think about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, This is Peter's list. It's very similar, I think, in um, uh, purpose to the fruit of the Spirit that Paul was writing about. Uh, This is how we make a right lifestyle. Uh, self-control is telling your body you're not in charge. Jesus is in charge. The Holy Spirit is in charge. And I will do with my body what the Holy Spirit says is the right thing to do. So we need self-control. Uh, and self-control, we supplement it with steadfastness. Steadfastness is just basically hanging in there. It's holding up under, remaining in place, in the right place. So stick with it. Uh, All of us as Christians have got to uh, not give up hope. And steadfastness with godliness. And you've heard me talk about this idea of godliness is just literally that, being like God. God. So we need to fold God's way of living into our lifestyle. I mean, after all, Jesus is our example. Uh, We are admonished quite a bit through the New Testament to live like Jesus. And then, godliness should be supplemented with brotherly affection. Uh, We love the brothers and sisters in Christ. We love them because they're like us. They've been saved and sanctified. They've been saved from their sin by embracing Jesus as Savior, and then they've been sanctified. That is, they've been filled with the Holy Spirit and set aside for godly purposes. And so we really ought to be in sync with everybody that's a Christian. We should be on the same page with them and love them. And then he wraps it up with this, and brotherly affection should be supplemented with love. And that's the agape word that we talk about all the time. Agape is the ultimate commitment love. It is the love that God demonstrated when he made the world, And then when he sent Jesus here to save the world, it is the love that Jesus demonstrated when he laid down his life as the atoning sacrifice for sin. No greater love has anyone than this that he should lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus did. And so that agape love is all about, I will do whatever is best for that other person, regardless of what it might cost me. Okay, so I have to give up some of my privileges. Okay, so I have to give up some of my rights. Okay, I have to give up some of my time or some of my treasure, some of my effort. It doesn't matter because it will make all the difference for that person, and I love them in the Lord. So that's what Peter is all about here at the very beginning of the writing of this letter. He's saying you need to have this type of lifestyle where you believe, where you live a righteous and virtuous life, where you know the Word of God, where you have your life under the control of the Holy Spirit, where you are hanging in there, where you are being like God in this world, where you love your brothers and sisters in Christ to death, and where you are willing to show ultimate loving commitment to anyone and everyone that comes across your path because that's what they need. And so Peter writes in verse number 8, "'For if these qualities are yours,' and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if this is the sort of thing that you're focused on, if this is the sort of thing that you are living out in reality, then you're going to be effective and you're going to be fruitful. Now, what does that mean? It means you're going to get things done for Jesus, and it means that Jesus is going to see fruit from your life. And what's the most important fruit of all? Other people. You know, a plant, and Jesus uses this in his uh, uh, parable of the four soils, a plant really hasn't met its fulfilled purpose until it reproduces itself until it makes more like itself. And so all my brothers and sisters out there, all of those who are Christians, have you made new Christians? Have you been involved in making new Christians? Because that is fruitfulness. And so the way that we get that done is by living this sort of lifestyle that Peter described here. Uh, Verse number nine, um, in teaching, you always have to explain negative impact. He says, verse nine, whoever lacks these qualities, so if you don't have this as your lifestyle, whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted, that is, so myoptic, that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now, I am nearsighted, uh, and uh, when I don't have my contact in, uh, anything outside of four or five feet is uh, more and more blurry the farther away from me me it gets. And so uh, that's a problem with nearsightedness, uh, is that we can only see the things that are right, right up in our face, But we need to see things farther out, don't we? Especially when we're talking in the metaphor, in the simile here. We as Christians have to have the long sight of God looking to what the future holds in other people's lives. And so if we're only short-sighted, we've forgotten that we were saved not just simply for our own benefit, but we were saved for the benefit of other people. Uh, We were saved to serve, to do whatever it takes to help other people come to salvation as well. Verse number 10, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. So Jesus called us We were part of the elect group, that is, those that responded to the call and therefore were folded into uh, the family of God. How do we make sure of that? Well, by doing his work. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You remember the fruit of the Spirit idea was that if we live by the fruit of the Spirit, by walking in the Spirit, we will fulfill God's purpose in our life. And what is that fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The sort of good lifestyle that Peter was talking about here with slightly different words. And so we need to be proving our place in the kingdom by living the life of the kingdom. Verse 11, For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, we shouldn't have to worry about our future if we're focused on our present service to others who need to get their future secured. So, if we, if we serve, we will be less concerned about how things will turn out in the end for us. Verse number 12, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Uh, so, Peter acknowledges I know you guys know this stuff. And you know, as a preacher, I have to do that as well. As a Bible teacher, I'll tell people, especially ones that have been around for a long time, I "I know you've already heard this from me. But guess what? I'm going to keep on saying it. Why? Verse number 13. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. So all of us that have taught for a long time, uh, we're growing older, and we are are becoming more and more aware, uh, we're going to run out of time to do this service. And so we've got to emphasize it every chance we get with every person that we uh, care about. And so that's what Peter's up to because Jesus told him when he was an old man, he was going to die, and he's an old man now. Verse 15, I'm going to make every effort so that after my departure, after my death, you may be able anytime to recall these things. That's the reason why he's writing this down.